Amen. That introduces to you our new series that we're starting today. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Follow along, if you would, as I read. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, as you know, or maybe you've been following, the 2016 Olympics are uh, commencing in Rio, not without a certain amount of trouble. Uh, somebody uh, mugged the uh, guy carrying the torch, stole it, extinguished it. Uh, rooms aren't ready. It's kind of chaotic, but we're still hoping and still looking forward to seeing some of the great athleticism and some of the great stories that come out of that. It just it, it makes you want to be a world-class athlete that goes for the gold. The only problem is I'm not much of an athlete. And as I look around here, not many of you are either. And so that raises the question, well, are they the only ones? I mean, don't you watch these things and you see the triumphant raising of the hands, the joy, and, and I never played, I wrestled. That was the only thing I did. I did that for one year, so I never played on it. You know, I'm always looking at that and, well, what's, what is that like? What is that going to mean? Does that mean we have to miss out on that? No, the reality of this series is going to teach us this, that you and I, can be champions for God who are triumphant and finish, cross the finish line of our faith as winners, as winners in the race set before us. That's what this new series is all about, how to run the race set before us in such a way that we are triumphant at the end. So two things to get us into today's message and it's this, what's the gold what is the gold that we are going for? Is it a metal that can tarnish with time, be stolen by thieves, or hawked at a pawn shop when life gets tough? One of the most greatest tragedies of Heisman Trophy uh, uh, trophies and, and World Series and, and Super Bowl rings is they often get, get uh, hawked at pawn shops because the athlete comes on hard times. But that's not what we're running for. That's not our gold. We're going for eternal rewards. We're going to receive greater glory. That's the gold. Greater glory from God in His coming kingdom. We're going to get things that are eternal and will last forever. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9.25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, something that lasts forever. Literally, in the uh, Greek Olympics of those days, the crown you got wasn't a gold medal like we get today. It was like a wreath that was made out of real, uh, uh, real peace leaves, leaves and, and trees, and, and literally by the, the time you're done, it had already perished. And he's saying, look, we have something greater. In fact, in Matthew 25, 21, the Lord shows us that one of the things that we're going to get, one of the things that we're running for is greater recognition in the kingdom. 
greater recognition from our Lord. Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. I can't think of a better reward for faithful living than to have Jesus Christ look me in the eye and say, You did well. You finished the race. Well done, good and faithful servant. Also, we'll get greater responsibility in the kingdom. As Matthew 25, 21 goes on, it says, You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. You're going to be rewarded with greater responsibility. Now, some of us don't like responsibility, and we're like, man, that's a curse, not a reward. But actually it is, because we're going to be in a perfect kingdom, in a, on the new creation, and we're going to be enabled to fulfill our roles and responsibilities, and the reward is, man, I get to do more for my Savior for all of eternity. And then finally, in Matthew 25, 21, we see that we receive the glory of greater rejoicing in the kingdom. Just like there's levels of a punishment in hell, there are levels of joy in the kingdom. And those that finish well receive the glory of greater rejoicing. Jesus says here, enter into the joy of your Lord. Listen, for all of eternity, greater recognition, greater responsibility, and greater rejoicing. That's what we're running for, a kingdom reward. Also, what's the goal, though? What's the finish line? What is the goal that we're running for? And here it is, and this is true for the rest of the series. Be triumphant by finishing faithful in the race set before us. Finishing faithful. Say like they said in the video. Say like Paul said at the end of his life. I ran the race. I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. And that's what we're running. Now, you might say, how could I ever do that? That is no more likely to happen than me becoming a world-class athlete. Well, it's easy to feel that way. And I think we all feel that, that way sometimes, but it's not true. And that's why we're preaching this series, because ordinary people like you and me really can finish faithful, and end our lives as fully devoted followers of Christ. That's not just for the great missionaries of old. It's not just for pastors of large churches. It's not just for those in vocational ministry. Ordinary people like you and me, okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, you look pretty ordinary, okay? You look pretty ordinary. And then say back, so do you. And say, that's okay, because we can still finish faithful, right? Amen? And that's what we want to do. Now, this series is based on Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and it's going to show us how to be triumphant. And let me give you just a little background on the book of Hebrews and see if you can relate to that. The Hebrew believers who received this letter were ex experiencing opposition and persecution for their faith. Uh, in other words, there were people from the opposite team rooting against them and trying to hinder them from running and finishing. Some had been arrested and thrown into prison, we see in Hebrews 13, while others were being ridiculed and mocked for being Christians. In other words, instead of cheering them on, they were running and there was people booing them and hissing them and trying to knock them out of the race. Of course, 
in other words, they were trying to pull a Tanya Harding. Remember that? Hey, I want to knock you out of the skating. And they whacked her leg, okay? And, and, and these believers were being whacked by unbelievers, and they were, trying to be, they were trying to take them out of their race. Still others were not disciplining themselves to grow to maturity, but were choosing to remain immature and out of shape spiritually. In other words, they weren't going to training. They weren't going to practice, and yet they expected to finish. They had been Christians for some time. Maybe some of you are that way. But they had grown tired, become stagnant, and had started to drift away from God and His people. Oh, they were still running, but they weren't running hard. They were still running, but in their mind they were thinking about quitting running altogether. You see, they were taking for granted the great salvation God had given to them by grace through faith, and some were even willfully sinning against God. In other words, they were running against the rules, and they were in danger of being disqualified. So, in other words, they were thinking about dropping out of the race, forsaking their faith in Christ alone for salvation. They were beginning to think it would be better to quit following Jesus Christ and instead return to their old ways, their old friends, and their old lifestyle. And you know, we, our youth, they just took off to camp, and it doesn't take long after you come back from camp, that you kind of are tempted to go back into those old ways and the things that you heard, the decisions you made, are kind of put in the background. But look again at Hebrews 12. Look again at Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This passage is the heart and soul of the book of Hebrews. Keep running the race of faith to the finish line. Keep moving forward in maturity. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Don't retreat. Don't stop believing, trusting, obeying. And pursuing. Now, do we need this kind of message today? Yeah. We need it now more than ever. Christians are giving up and they're turning back. And we're going to need this message now in the future more than ever. Now, I read an article in 2008 entitled Ministry in 2018. That's just two years from now. And one of the major points of this article back in 2008 was this. Hostility towards Christianity is going to increase. Now, I don't know who wrote that article, but he was a prophet, right? That's what's happening. We need to get ready, folks. We need to be getting in shape to run our race with endurance and finish faithful at the finish. And the first step that I want you to get this morning, the first step in, in doing so, in being triumphant, is remember the witnesses. Be triumphant by remembering the witnesses. Look again at Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the whole rest of the chapter and the whole rest of the series is dependent on that one thing. Remember the witnesses. So this, mes this morning's message is, is simple. Be triumphant by remembering the witness. We're going to look at who they are. 
We're going to look at why we should remember them, and we're going to look at what should we remember about them. Are you ready? All right, I hope you got your Bibles ready, your notes out, and your pens ready to take notes. Number one, who are the witnesses? Who are the witnesses? Well, the answer is found in the ver first word of verse 1. What is it? What's the first word? Therefore. And anytime you find a therefore in Scripture, you always want to ask, why is it therefore? Okay? And this therefore is there for the purpose of pointing us back to the champions of the Hall of Faith in chapter 11. So the witnesses that we're to remember are those men and women who are in what's called the Hall of Faith in chapter 11. It's the Old Testament believers who lived and died by faith. It's Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and all those who suffered and died, who according to verse 38 of chapter 11, of whom this world was not worthy. But who really are these people? Who are they really? Well, let me give you two observations. First of all, they are more than armchair spectators that watch us and cheer us with their lips. Sometimes it's thought that these witnesses, they're, they're just simply watching us going, go get them, Chris. Go get them, Andrew. You can do it. Don't quit. They're just watching and and cheering us on like we cheer on the Chiefs, like we cheer on the Royals. But the picture here is of the tiered seats of the Roman Colosseum, filled with capacity, with a sellout crowd. In fact, the crowd is so big, it, it flows over, and the stadium can't contain them, and they envelop the runners like a great cloud that surrounds and engulfs them and carries them along. Uh, before it was uh, torn apart by drug dosing, I loved to watch uh, the, uh, the, uh, the bike race in France. And um, as they race there through uh, the countryside of France, uh, they're just surrounded by people cheering them on. That's the idea. We're just surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Now, one of the reasons that many people quit the Christian life is because they feel all alone. There's some people right here today who feel alone. They're sitting in the midst of people, but they feel alone running the race of a lifetime. As if no one else has ever faced what I'm facing, and no one else faced what I'm facing and were triumphant in the end. No one else has ever been tempted like I have and resisted. But the answer to that is no, no, no. You are surrounded by so great a cloud of people cheering us on that no stadium on earth could contain them all. You are not alone. But the point is not that all these people are just watching us from heaven and cheering us on. No, the point is we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, not mere spectators. Now, it's no wonder that some professional athletes lose their cool when a bunch of fans who are out of shape and half drunk try to tell them how to win a game, right? It happens all the time. Happens at the stadium, happens at home, happens all the time. Armchair quarterbacks. That's not motivating. 
That's frustrating. They want to say, why don't you get out here and try it for a while? Why don't you come out here? So, listen, if these people are cheering us in chapter 11 because they've never done anything, and they're just watching us saying, you can do it. Now, I've never done it, but you can do it. That's not motivating. That's frustrating. But these are not armchair spectators who have never played the game or ran the race or fought the good fight and are just watching to cheer us on. Instead, number two, they are proven winners. They are proven winners who witness to us and encourage us, not just with their lips, but with their lives. Amen. Isn't that good? These people ran the race, and they were ordinary people, just like you and me. That's why they're called witnesses. Now, this same word for witness is used five times in Hebrews 11, and every time it refers to speaking and not just seeing. They aren't just merely watching us. They are literally witnessing to us with their lives. What is said of Abel in verse 4, chapter 11, verse 4, could be said of all the witnesses in the hall of faith. Being dead yet they speak. Men and women who have run the race before us and have gathered, as it were, along the marathon, marathon route to say through the testimony of their, of their faith, uh, testimony of their lives, by faith I finished and you can too. By faith I finished and you can too. By faith I finished and you can too. They cheer us not by their lips, but their lives. Did you notice that Hebrews 11 is all about decisions to act by faith? At least 25 times it says, by faith, and they did something. They lived it out. They cheer us on, not with mere words, but great deeds done by faith in a great God. They're not professionals, though. They're amateurs. That Bible expositor Warren Wiersbe said in his great book, Run with the Winners, Hebrews 11 is about winners. Ordinary people who discovered that the secret of staying on top is not talent, opportunities, or status, it's faith in God. These people were not perfect. They failed often. Some of them got on painful detours and had to be disciplined by God. But all of them reached their goals successfully and accomplished what God wanted them to do. Isn't that encouraging? In other words, they were triumphant by running in such a way that they finished. So who are the witnesses? Well, they're the people found in Hebrews 11. They're the people found in the rest of Scripture. Verse 32 says, Time would fail to tell of all the people. They're the people found in Christian biographies. Listen, one of the most encouraging ways to finish faithful is to read Christian biography. Read those stories, the good ones. Not the, 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 the holy stories where everybody seems sinless and walks, walk on air. And, and every, no, read the real biographies that give you the warts and the sins and the failures and the personality quirks, and yet God used them mightily. In fact, who are these people cheering us on? There's some people that have sat in these pews who have gone on to be with the Lord. One of the benefits of staying in one church for a length of time in ministry, is you get to see people living their faith 
And then you get to preach the celebration of their funeral. And you get to see that they finish faithfully. And not all do, but many in these pews have done that. So the answer to the question, who are the witnesses? They are all those who died having ran the race, fought the good fight, and kept the faith. Now, why should we remember them? Why should we remember them? Well, because they're proven winners. They went for the gold of greater glory from God, and they're enjoying it right now. They ran for the goal, and they reached it. They crossed the finish line being fully devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to look at two reasons in particular. Why should we remember these people? The first one is this. Because of God's witness about them. Their faith is real, and it's the only kind I reward. God witnesses about them before they witness to us. The winner is the one that God determines is the winner. You know, we don't get to say, we don't get to die, come before the Lord and say, hey, I did pretty good, didn't I? Where's my gold? Where's my glory? Why aren't you saying anything? Why are you looking at me? I'm a winner. I am a winner, aren't I? You see, we don't get to determine whether we're winners or not. He determines it. He has to witness about us before we can witness to others. That is about finishing faithful. So take a look at that. Look at Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for, who, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. At least six times in Hebrews 11, we get to hear God's witness about his champions. Let's listen in. Look at verse 2. Chapter 11, verse 2. For by it, that is faith, the elders attained a good testimony... Or were approved by God. God says of those who live by faith, well done, way to go. That's what I'm looking for. People who live and die by faith. A real faith that walks the talk. Drop down to verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. God says to those who live by faith, you're righteous, not because of faith in what you have done, but because your faith in what I have promised to do through my Son, Jesus Christ. It's not what you do that gives you the glory. It's what I have done for you. Look at verse 5. In verse 5 of chapter 11, By faith Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God translated him. God caught him up. God basically said, you know what, Enoch, I enjoy fellowship with you so much, I want you up here with me. Wow. Now that's a witness. Chris, I enjoy day by day you walking with me, you praying with me, you following me, you engaging with me, your relation. I enjoy you so much. Whoop! I'm just taking you up. As you can see, I'm still here, <laughs> okay? And guess what? So are you, okay? So we have not yet attained that walk that Enoch did. But here's what God says to those who live by faith. I am pleased with you. 
so much, I can't wait for you to come and be with me. I can't wait. Look at verse 16. Here's another witness from God. God says to those who live by faith, I am not ashamed to be called your God. I am making a special city where we can all dwell together. Wow. That's probably one of the most sobering questions we're going to ask today in this lesson. Is God ashamed of me? Is He ashamed to be called my God? Am I running in such a way that it brings shame or fame to His name? Look there up down to verse 39. Verses 38 and 39, God says to those who live by faith, You are not worthy of this earth. I cannot wait until the last believer crosses the finish line so we can all celebrate together in the new heavens and the new earth. Wow! That's some kind of witness by God about these witnesses. Don't miss it. They witnessed to us because God first witnessed about them and their faith. God said they lived and died by faith. He said they were right with Him and others by faith. He was pleased with them because of their faith. He was not ashamed of them because of their faith. God said earth is not worthy of them, but the new heavens and the new earth will be because of their faith. It makes me stop and think, what will God say about me after I die and I stand before him face to face? Face to face. What will be God's witness about me and about you? i got to come down here and get a drink. What do you think of that? You know that day's coming. That day's coming and it's going to happen. Now, the reason we need to remember these people is not only because of what God said about them, but because of their witness about God. And here is their witness about God. He is faithful. He is faithful. And the only one who can be trusted to see you through. He is faithful and the only one who can be trusted. This is what Hebrews 11 is all about, and this is why we're supposed to remember the witnesses. So let me take you, real quickly, let me take you through Hebrews 11. Abel is witnessing to us this morning. God is faithful. He saw me through being killed by my own brother out of hatred, unbelief, and jealousy. Enoch is saying to us this morning, God is faithful. He saw me through one of the most ungodly times on the planet right before God killed everyone through the flood, except for Noah and his family. Speaking of Noah, Noah is saying to us this morning, God is faithful. He saw me through the ridicule, the loneliness, the confusion of building an ark when it had never rained before. Hey, what are you doing there, Noah? I'm building art. Why? It's going to rain. What's that? Well, it's going to rain. What are you talking about? I don't know what that is. You're an idiot. You're a nut. You're a joke. Why are you wasting your time? Why are you giving to this effort? Why are you putting that energy in? He survived that. God took him through that. Abraham says to us in this passage, God is faithful. He saw me through leaving home to go who knows where, and I still have not gotten all that God's promised me, but he's been faithful. 
Moses is telling us this morning, God is faithful. He saw me through having to choose between the best this world had to offer or suffering with God's people. And folks, don't think for a minute that we're not going to have to make that decision more and more in this growing culture. And our young people, you can't avoid this. You can't avoid it. You cannot live between darkness and light. You cannot walk the fence. You have to be like Moses. God will see you through when you choose to identify publicly and boldly with God's people. Rahab is here to tell us this morning, God is faithful. He saw me through having to choose between living in sin or being saved from my sins. Isn't that encouraging? These people are telling us, God is faithful and he was faithful to me and he will be faithful to you because it's not based on who you are, it's based on what? Who he is. Who he is. So who are the witnesses? They're proven winners who witnessed to us from their lives. Why should we remember them? Because God's witness about them, their faith is real, and it's only this kind of living faith that I reward. And because their witness about God, that He is faithful, and He's the only one who can be trusted to see you through, and He will see you through to the finish. But what should we remember about them? So here's the last point. What should we remember about them? Most of us look for some excuse to drop out of the race. We focus on problems instead of possibilities. But whiners are never winners. Now, I didn't say werners or waners. I said whiners are never winners. Okay? The witness of the, witness of the winners in Hebrews 11 will not let us make excuses for dropping out of the race. Now, there are many things we could remember and many ways we could outline it, but to keep it simple, let's focus on five facts about faith in our faithful God. Remember these five facts, and you will be well on your way to being triumphant in the race of a lifetime. So let's look at that. When we put our faith in our faithful God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, He cleanses from all kinds of sins. He cleanses from all kinds of sins. In other words, our past doesn't disqualify us from finishing faithful. See, a lot of people quit the race because they say, well, before I became a Christian, I had such a lousy life. Or maybe I came to Christ and I didn't live for Him for many years, and I somehow feel my past is a burden that will prevent me from finishing faithful. Well, let me tell you something about Hebrews 11. Every single man and woman who is named by God in his hall of faith is a sinner just like you and me. Are you ready? Noah, the drunk, is in the hall of faith. Abraham, the fearful liar who would sacrifice the good of his wife to save his own neck, he's in there. Sarah, who laughed at the promises of God when she was barren and he promised a child, she's there. Moses, who had an anger problem and even killed a man in anger, he's there. David, who committed adultery and then tried to cover up with murder, betraying his most faithful lieutenant, he's there. Joshua, who failed to pray for God's guidance before making a major decision that had huge consequences for the people he led, he's there. These champions did not collect medals. 
did not just collect their medals, but they also have wounds and scars from their sin. But you know what's amazing about this? There's not one sin mentioned in Hebrews 11. Not one sin is mentioned. Elsewhere in the Bible they are. God doesn't cover up the messiness of our lives. But here, after they've crossed the finish line, sin is not an issue. Why? Their sins are forgiven and forgotten for eternity. Why? Because they trusted in the coming of a Savior. They promised, they, 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 they put their faith in the promise that one day there would be cleansed you from all your sins and given you no fishing no fishing and if God's not fishing for your sins don't you go fishing for him either he has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. And how far is the east from the west? As far as his nail-scarred hands on that cross. Remember that faith in our faithful God cleanses us from our past, and it's no longer excuse for quitting or giving up. Now, that's the first fact. Second fact is this. Remember that faith in our faithful God changes all kinds of people changes all kinds of people. One of the greatest things about remembering the witnesses is the variety of people God chooses to use. These people are each unique and different from one another. No two are alike in Hebrews 11. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're different. And maybe you might want to say, you're really different. Okay? But that's okay, because every one of God's people in Hebrews 11 was different, unique. Did you see that by faith in Hebrews 11, God can make a champion out of a man or a woman, out of young and old, out of kings and commoners, out of the elite and the illegitimate, out of the rich and the poor, out of the great and the small, out of the gifted and the not-so-gifted. But they all had one thing in common. They dared to trust God to see them through to the end with a faith that finishes. Sometimes we can use our birth or even our birth order, our personality, our family background, our circumstances as an excuse of why God cannot use us, why we can't be winners. Just about everything about our physical birth sets us apart. But the spiritual birth, the spiritual birth of being born again is what qualifies you to be a winner. It's not how you were born, it's being born again. Faith doesn't depend on your birth order, your background, your degrees, your talents, your IQ, your job title, or your paycheck. It depends on just one thing. Are you willing to take God at his word and place your faith in him and his promises instead of yourself 
in your own power. Now, we may think we don't possess what it takes to be a champion, but we do by faith. And that brings us to the third fact, and this is this. Remember about these witnesses that faith in our faithful God conquers all kinds of problems. Conquers all kinds of problems. Sometimes we tend to think that the life of faith should be problem-free, but here's the reality. When you lead someone to Christ, you ought to tell them, you know what, life's going to get harder, not easier. Don't give people the impression that being a Christian and all your problems are going to go away. Instead, say no, but you have a problem solver that's going to be right there with you. You have a problem helper. You have someone that will be with you. Now, why is that? Why is the Christian life, running the Christian race, more difficult? Because we're running with God while the rest of the world is running which way? Away from God. We're running towards God. We're running towards the finish line. The rest of the world's running away. Triumphant runners have a different view of the world. Is your view different? Triumphant runners have a different lifestyle from the world. Is your lifestyle different? Do you like things that the world likes or do you like things that pleases God? Triumphant runners have different values than the rest of the world. We value life. We value the person in the womb. We have different values. We triumphant runners have different loves than the rest of the world. We don't love the things of the world or the things in the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Triumphant runners have a different God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what happens in Hebrews 11. By faith, God's winners swim upstream and run against the wind, and they don't give up in the face of problems and problem people. But remember this, God doesn't always work the same way in all our lives when facing problems. Sometimes he delivers us from our problems, but most of the time he delivers us how? Through our problems. And that's what you've got to understand. He may enable us by faith to escape our problems, or he may enable us by faith to endure our problems. Now, let's look at Hebrews 11. Look at Hebrews 11. Look at verses, verse 32. Look at verse 32. And notice verses 32 through 35. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Woo! Don't you wish God always did that with your problems? Don't you wish he always helped you to escape your problems like that? But right in the middle of verse 35, he says, and, look at verse 35, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so they might obtain a better resurrection. 
and others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They would literally put believers in a hollowed out tree trunk and then cut it right in two. They were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated, many of whom the world is not worthy, men of whom the world is not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Wow, that's not escape from, that's enduring through. But according to verse 39, they all receive by faith a good testimony. Listen, faith in our, God, in our faithful God conquers all kinds of problems in different ways. So I don't know what you're facing this morning, but I know one of two things are going to happen. If you're one of God's children, you're either gonna, he's going to deliver you out of it or he's going to deliver you through it. Here's the next fact that I want you to remember. Remember that faith in our faithful God continues through all kinds of pressures. It continues through all kinds of pressures. How do you know, how do you know if God's going to let you escape or make you endure? How do you know? Does he tell you in advance? No. So how do you know? You keep running. You keep running. You keep running. And maybe today God's going to deliver me from. But if he doesn't, he'll deliver me through. And then you get up the next day and you say, maybe today God will deliver me from. But if he doesn't, he'll deliver me through. Listen to, uh, let me share with you the diary of John Wesley, one of the great revivalists. This is like the month of May in the life of John Wesley in the 1800s. Sunday, a.m., preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday, p.m., same day, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday, May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. This is in his diary. Sunday, p.m., that same day, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26, preached in a meadow, chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during service. Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out on the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., that same day, afternoon, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. See, you just don't know. You keep running. You keep running. You keep running. You continue to persevere. Listen to what, again, Warren Rearsby says in his book, Run with the Winners. Hebrews 11 presents these men and women of faith as dedicated athletes who reached their goal, won their prize because they had faith in God, obeyed the rules of the game. They were not quitters. Now, life gets hard. Even for pastors, life gets hard. And there's different times... You don't stay in ministry for 25 plus years, 27. And there's valleys. There's valleys. There's deep, dark valleys. And one of the things 
that God has taught me to do when I'm in those valleys and when he seems distant and the race doesn't seem worth it is to read Christian biographies. One year I was especially discouraged and I read five Christian biographies, one about a preacher, Martin Luther, one about, uh, two about presidents, Lincoln and Adam, Adams, one about a professor, C.S. Lewis, and one about a missionary, David Livingstone. And you know what I found out? Every one of those guys had problems. They had problems. I had problems. All God's children are going to have problems. And you know what? I also found out there's only one way you go through problems. You have to continue through all kinds of problems by faith to be a champion of God. By remembering the witnesses, I was reminded once again that the key to the Christian life is not self-pity, but perseverance. So let's run with endurance. Amen? The race that is set before us, let's run with endurance. William Carey, that great father of modern missions, he once wrote these words. If after my removal, anyone should think it's worth his while to write my life, I will give you the criterion by which you may judge of its correctness. If he give me credit for being a plotter, he will describe me justly. I can plod, I can persevere in any definite pursuit. Final fact is this. Remembering that faith in our faithful God creates all kinds of potential. Listen, none of those people, it creates all kinds of potential. None of the people in Hebrews 11 thought they were going to be in Hebrews 11. All right? Abraham was a pagan idolater. He had no idea he was going to be the father of faith. David, that little shepherd boy, had no idea he would become God's king in a covenant with him forever that his sons should sit on the throne. Moses was a fugitive from justice who had a speech impediment, never knowing he would become that great and mighty prophet. Listen, what transformed these people, these ordinary men and women? It was faith in our faithful God and the promise of his son. So... What I'd like to say to you this morning is real simple. Are you in the race? Are you in the race this morning? Because you can't win if you're not running. And so the question is, all of this is mute if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Listen, you have to be born again. And when you're born again, you get a set of running shoes. And you get a, a, a path on the track. And you stay in your lane and you finish faithful, but you've got to be born again. I did this when I was 17 years old. I knew I was a sinner. Uh, on the outside, things looked good, but I knew that my sin separated me from God. I knew that I had a God-shaped hole in my life, and I didn't know how to fill it until someone from this church cared enough and was bold enough and loving enough to say, you need Jesus Christ. You need to read your Bible. I, you go to church, but you don't know God. And so I prayed and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I trusted in him and what he did for me instead of what I was doing for me. And I went from being religious and going to church to actually having a relationship and being a part of his church. 
And Jesus saved me and set me on this race, and it hasn't always been easy, but by faith, I am persevering, and you can too. So the second question I want to ask you is, how are you going to remember the witnesses this fall? So you're in the race, but how do you do this? How do you apply this message? Well, here's how you do it. Here's a plan for remembering. Let me give you three things to do. So here's three things. Pick a witness to remember, read about, and reflect on. In, the, in your bulletin, you've got more than enough resources. Here's Christian biographies galore. Simple ones, easy ones, ones for adults, ones for kids, ones for men, ones, uh, some for women. It's all there. Pick one. Read about him. Read about her and say, you know what, for the rest of this year, I'm going to remember this man or this woman's life. Secondly, be a witness to someone who's thinking about giving up. Look around and see someone that's, that, that, that's drifting. See someone that's not showing up to practice. See someone that's slacking and say, hey, we can do it and we can do it together. Of course, a great place to do that this fall is in our grow groups where we encourage one another in the race. And then finally, persevere as a witness. What is God asking you to be or do by faith that you're neglecting? What specifically has God been speaking? I'm not talking about just this message, but in the previous weeks, the previous months, that you've been delaying, that you've been ignoring, or let's be honest, sometimes we just flat telling God, I don't want to do that. Whatever that is, why not today, by faith, say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to be and do what you want me to be and do. I'm going to run, and I'm going to run hard all the way to the finish. With your heads bowed, uh, we want to go into our response time, and it's real simple. Are you in the race? If not, why not get in it this morning? Why not accept the Lord Jesus Christ? There in your notes, if you don't, aren't sure that you know him, is a prayer by which you can express your desire to cross from unbelief to belief, to cross from darkness to light, to be out of the race and actually getting into the race of the Christian life. If you make that decision today, I want to know about it. Our church wants to know about it. You can let me know. We can have people help you, but it's really just simple. You just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I can't do this alone. I know I can't do this at all. I know I'm worthy of your wrath and your judgment. I'm separated from you. My sins are standing in my way, but Jesus said that he took my sins. And Jesus rose from the dead, showing that you can forgive and give life to the dead. I want to be your child. I want to be in your race. Maybe you're here and you're born again, but you're saying, you know what? I came in here today thinking about quitting. If that's you and you want me to pray for you, no one's looking around. Just raise your hand. If that's you and you said, you know what? I came in here thinking I'm going to quit, but I need prayer. I was encouraged today. I, I, just pray for me. If that's you, I will pray for you. I will pray for you. Father, we come before you, and uh, wow, we're challenged by the heroes 
in chapter 11. But Lord, I want my name to be there and I want everyone here for their name to be there, to be triumphant. May we, as we have this time of response, do business with you in Jesus' name. Amen.